Thank you for listening to Wolfcast and Pod, the episode-by-episode breakdown of Angel the Television Series. We will be discussing each episode in detail, so we have no concern for spoilers and the like. Please enjoy. Where is she? My question first, and answer true, because you know I'll know. Why Mandy? Well, I, I know the words. And it is, you great big sap. There's not a destroyer world can argue with Manilo. And good for you for fessing up. It's another episode of Wolfcast and Pod, the episode-by-episode breakdown of Angel, the television series in podcast form that will likely take you longer to listen to than it would just to watch the show. Joining me, Wolfcast, a.k.a. Ruben, in that quest is your friend of mine, Marsha, slash pod. How's it going? I'm good. Biking a lot. (laughs) This might ruin the flow, but I totally thought I was doing the intro, and you oh, were doing yeah. that. Sorry? No, you could do both. I'm mega sick right <laughs> now, and I'm probably going to cough. Sounds good. Always for a good, good podcast. <laughs> Speaking of things that are sick, yo, today <laughs> we're starting a new season, season two of Angel, <laughs> and uh, if you are a listener to Definitely Doom, do you know that whenever we start a new season we talk about what we expect going into the season so Marcia what is your past experience with season two and how do you think you might feel this time um my past experience with season two is that it's the season that really got me hooked on the show I don't think I watched them in order the first time I think I started somewhere in season two and went forward from there and then picked back season one on the rewatch Charlie I'm hoping for uh, more social justice and more warriors evil hand hand. hand. yeah I cannot wait for evil hand I hope I like it as much as I used to Uh, season two is probably my favorite season either season two or season three um, there's a string of episodes in the middle here, or I guess like a storyline, because there's one episode that I feel like is kind of a clunker in the middle of that, but the storyline of not uh, Ed Jealous or even really Dark Angel, but just like a Grumpy Angel, like Loner Angel, that might be my favorite storyline in either Buffy or Angel, like... Uh, especially how it ends um yep the show really hits its stride i think in season two if i remember correctly and uh there's just a lot of great stuff in it season three probably would be my favorite season except for i agree with you that holt's just like maybe just the actor 
is just like not good enough. Like I like the idea, but I don't feel like it just lands exactly. I hate Holt so even much. Though so much, even though there's so much stuff that I like about season three. Holtz reminds me of the one guy at the kink meetup groups that's like kind of creepy, but not creepy enough for anyone to call him on it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, okay. everyone knows that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of kinky, at first I was afraid. I was petrified. Kept thinking. That's how the episode starts. It's a close-up on a demon. You're like, you've never seen it before. You're like, what is this? Some new monster that Angel's going to face? And then he starts singing. Gloria Gaynor, I believe. And it's Lorne, if you don't already know. You'll know soon. He's the host of a karaoke bar and uh, introduces the episode. You know, he starts giving like a little monologue and it cuts into our hero group. Uh, you know, sort of, they've all been, it looks like, basically kind of cruising for the summer, like no issues. Cordelia's acting career is taking off a little bit. Like, it seems like she can actually act a little bit now. Wesley's hanging out at bars, throwing darts, <laughs> pressing bar winches. <laughs> um, and uh, they get a call from Angel. There's some mission that they need to go on. They show up and they shut it down, like, in five seconds. Yes. They got everything on lock. They get summoned with the 911 yeah. pager. And then they bust into mm-hmm. a gym, and I love it. It's uh, it's uh, lining them up before they knock them down. You know what I mean? I'm in terms of like, they set this up to throw off the character's flow here in just a little, a little bit. Yeah, and then Cordelia gets a vision of some sort of monster, and Angel uses a new character uh, lead that they meet in that karaoke bar that was introduced at the beginning. It, demon named Merle, who's Merle. part of, like, the demon un- black market underground, and so therefore, like, uh, you know, is willing to be a stool pigeon of sorts. Um, Angel tracks down the demon and kills it, and then realizes that the vision was misleading, that the, that demon in particular was guarding a woman, a pregnant woman whose uh, child has a price on its head. Uh, Angel, you know, obviously feels very guilty about it and they decide and he decides that he has to protect her the mission is his now um and she has to face this tribunal and he has to sing it in front of oh Lauren in order to find out where she's gonna be and uh he goes to her and protects her and manages to save her and then the episode sort of ends with them realizing that you know this sort of cool guy thing that they sort of started off with is not really the job that they're doing that you know they're trying to help people you know and they're not trying to as sort of was let off at the end of last season you know make angel human again like that's not the goal like that might be a nice reward if it happens at some point but the goal should be to like focus on each individual case and that you know um, the idea is to help people so you know Angel goes to prison and sees Faith and goes back to one of his better cases I guess focuses on helping someone in a way that's not about murdering demons (laughs) (laughs) 
I love you Lauren. Think? Does everyone does everyone love Lauren or have you met one person that's watched this that's like, eh, Lauren, he's not the best? Um, no, but I've also only watched it with people who also like musicals. And I imagine if someone like hated musicals that they mm. might hate Lauren as well. But then again, I never understand those people. I'm like, why do you hate musicals? And then... I and know, they're right? Like, uh, they're just... Well, I don't understand why they're singing in movies. I'm like, do you like music? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, do you like movies? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, this is those two things together. <laughs> <laughs> also, sometimes you get an axe dance, like in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And that's perfect. But anyways, uh, what did you think of this episode? Yeah. I love it. I love the bait and switch. You know, they make us think about uh, all the things that they were trying to do last episode and then they really focus in on what they're trying to do I think with the rest of the season the characters go from super confident to sort of more questioning and I think that's a really good place for them to be in in like a vulnerable place instead of us just watching badass people kill demons all the time we, we end up watching characters mm-hmm I like this episode. Um, the visuals have definitely taken a step forward. Uh, this season is actually supposed to be shot in widescreen, unlike some of the last season we watched in widescreen, because that's what was available on Netflix, even though it was originally shot in full screen. Um, I, of course, really like the introduction of Lorne, and I sort of like, and I mean, I really like the theme, although I don't think it's delivered as well as it could be for instance one of my complaints is that at one point they're like making someone is making jokes i didn't write down who about like the demon that angel accidentally murdered and like that's kind of cutting against you know sort of what they're supposed to be going for here but i love the ending yeah. and i love the like you know throwing away the the whiteboard with all the you know cases on it and uh you know going back to faith and you know, reminding the gang what they're actually doing. It's kind of like in season one, you know, Cordelia was like maybe a little too obsessed with money for like their like tastes. And it's like, yeah, that's a necessary part to keep their business running. But in this case, it's like they go in somewhat too much the other way. They become like too obsessed with like the cases or like finishing them or whatever. And it's cool to, like, have them, you know, go too strong one way and then have to pull back a little bit. That's very human, which is enjoyable. And there's a couple funny parts in it, too. Yep, and I think they do a good job of setting up the art, the, the overarching plot, you know, the season plot with Darla. Mm-hmm. All right, so well, it, we start out with Lauren. <laughs> yep. My first note is, I don't like this song. Does it start out with Lauren singing? Yeah, the uh, Gloria Gaynor song. I think it's yeah. Gloria Gaynor, right? First I was afraid, I was petrified. Kept thinking I would leave with that. Is it Gloria song. Gaynor? Hmm. I thought it was Aretha Franklin, but I have no idea. Um, I love the cut to Cordelia just acting the crap out of an audition. I like that she's not the butt of a bad acting joke anymore. 
Yep, and uh, I like when she slaps that dude, and they start talking about it. She's like, she seems so spineless, begging this creep not to dump her. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, both Aretha Franklin and Gloria Gaynor did it. Okay. Although, there are more Gloria Gaynor results. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, she's obviously improved in her acting, which is nice for a couple reasons. It's nice for Cordelia to have like an outside life from the gang, and also it's nice because it's just a bad joke that I'm not interested in. So yeah, she's like, I like, she's believably okay at this point. Like I wasn't like watching this and like, wow, she's just amazing or something like that. But it was like, yeah, she's solid. It's like I can imagine her getting work in LA and like continuing to get build and get better. It's so hilarious that. Well, maybe just I'm impressed by actors. You know, she's being Cordelia, being an okay actor. Yeah. I feel like it's easier to play a bad actor than an okay actor. Charisma Carpenter, I think, is doing a really great job. I'm saying Cordelia is only doing an okay job. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 90s music. Then we get Wesley being super cool until he's not when he accidentally breaks something or when he throws one of the darts while not looking. And I'm like, eh, I'm not really into those jokes anymore. But that's okay. Yeah. He's wearing the cool yellow shirt. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah. If I remember correctly. Um, and then they get the 911 call, and they go off to this gym, and uh, whatever type of demon sacrifice is going on, apparently they're attracted to muscles and mirrors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, a guy follows them, uh, you know, saying that they can't be there unless they're members or whatever. He just says he's thinking of signing up and then throws an axe through one of the mirrors and they <laughs> find the sacrifice that they're looking for. Cordelia saves the people and Angel beats up the demons. Guy's notably freaked out and he's like, that guy has horns. And Angel goes, steroids, not good for you. <laughs> Very 90s. The 90s yeah. music, the workout. <laughs> Steroids. Except for this is the 2000s. Yeah. But I I agree. There's a um, montage of Riley playing basketball in season five, Buffy, which is the nice. one that's happening at the same time as this. And I was like, if Buffy had started in the 2000s, like if it hadn't started in the 90s, even if it started with season five, like if that's just where the show had started, it couldn't have this montage. Like only people who worked during the 90s could make oh, this yeah. basketball montage. Oh yeah. <laughs> the way that it was made. Like it's like straight there... out of the movie Juice or something. <laughs> Aren't there cinematographers, a bunch of uh, 80s and 90s movie guys? And that's why one of the reasons why all the scenes look so good. I don't know. I know that uh, one time that I saw one of the cinematographers for Buffy was the camera operator for Halloween, and I was like, awesome, because that's some- another thing that I really like. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, quality cinematography. Um, so yeah, now they're back at um, Cordelia's place is where they've been working out of for the summer because they haven't gotten a new office yet. And uh, they're trying to figure out what Wolfram and Hart raised. They've got like a whiteboard with like either pending or closed cases. Have you ever um, heard of a scrum board? Like a soft, it's, no. it's a software developer thing. What they have set up is definitely like a scrum board. Like you post 
your backlog versus what you're about to do, and everyone beats over it. Mm -hmm. The only time I've heard the word scrum is in relation to rugby. Yeah, I think it's borrowed off of rugby. It's like a trend these days. Um, I don't remember what it's in reference to, but, uh, oh yeah, no, Angel says that he's interested in maybe going to the gym, working out, getting in shape, and Cordelia is like, you're eternal, and he's like, may not always be, <laughs> which I thought was funny, but then the joke after that is really unfunny when she says that he shouldn't join because they're men in showers or whatever, and I was like, <laughs> oh good, back on the, on the gay panic jokes. And then we but get. But then I enjoyed the vision sneeze joke where she sneezes and uh, she's like, oh, just a sneeze. And then Angel's like, oh. Yeah, or Angel's like, oh. And then she's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I mean, bless you. Because <coughs> <laughs> they don't care if she's sick, <laughs> they just care if she has a vision. And then we get some awesome angel cuts. Mm hmm. Um, unified de uh, demon of unspecific origin. I can't remember what the N stands for. I wrote down N-D-U-O. Yes. Because that's what he writes up on the board. I wrote that down too. Mm -hmm. Um, does it cut away to Lila right there? Yeah. Lila and Darla. Shit, Darla's listening to Chopin, and we get another joke I don't like. When Darla says... He's here, and Lila goes Chopin, and <laughs> and he goes Angel. That's, Lila is much smarter Darla, than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, because Darla apparently some I don't know if it's Darla specific or just like a sire thing. Like she can, you know, sense when angels. That's around. what I was wondering. I think it's a sire thing. Um, I also don't like yeah. that they condescendingly use the word handy capable. In this scene, I don't remember what it was in reference to. Um, it, it, Lindsay has only one hand oh, right. at this point, and he's using a fake hand for stuff. Um, but I mean, I I don't like that word either. But I, the I think she meant to. You know, we're not supposed to like the fact that Lila. Yeah, she uses went to it. make fun of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we go back to the other gang. So we've got two gangs of three now, Lila, Lizzie, and Darla, and uh, Angel, Wesley, and Cordy. Um, and they're working on the case, and Angel is drawing up using his art supplies that and he got he last is, season. As a he's an extremely good artist. Mm -hmm. Extremely good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, again, something we talked about on Definitely Doomed, but everyone in the Buffyverse is either really good at drawing or <laughs> really bad like there's no one who's just okay like giles and giles uh sometimes paramour olivia and angel and cordelia can all draw really well and then like willow and buffy cannot draw <laughs> at all like even like the slightest little bit um yep and then someone compares the demon to a pit bull which 
uh, I wrote down, no, pit bulls, because pit bulls are great and really sweet dogs. But then the fact that the demon turns out to be good, yeah. I guess, maybe in retrospect. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they meant it, it to be intentional. <laughs> it's the... <laughs> yeah. Um, so then uh, they're like, how are we going to find this dude? And uh, Wesley says, you know, I've been building up some trust with this contact. Uh, let's go to this uh, sanctuary where he feels safe. And they go to the bar where um, I thought this was not exactly continuity. I mean, in some ways, it's just laziness because they're using probably like some of the same prosthetics. But the demon who's singing there looks a lot like Cribs from uh, The Ring. Do you remember the... Yeah, and I was like, oh, cool. You know, because like a lot of times in these shows, they just never go back to the same demon again. Right. And it's like, yeah, more than just one of that demon. <laughs> in the everybody, everybody loves to call back. And we get a rather long song at this point. Mm-hmm. I didn't write down what they were singing. I don't remember. I don't think I knew what song it was. Um, and then Angel and uh, Merle have a conversation, and Merle is in a continuing trend of being able to recognize that Angel is a vampire without him telling him or changing his face or anything like that. Yeah. he's like... I don't want to deal with that bloodsucker. Yeah, demons just know somehow. Maybe some demons don't know. Maybe we haven't met the demons that don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Is it a smell thing? Demons have a sense of smell? If they had heat vision, that would definitely give it off. Like, if they could... Or a good hearing. You know, they could sense things, sense things from... Yeah. yeah. If they could hear that their heart wasn't beating, that they weren't breathing... But they have to have some sort of outstanding sense to be able to sense it. Yeah. Another in a series of the jokes that I don't like from this episode, uh, Cordelia doesn't know what anagogic means, which, fair enough, I didn't know before I saw this episode either, but she confuses it with anorexic, which I yeah, don't believe that she that's always did. a dumb... She'll probably just ask. Yeah. That's always a dumb trick. Um, and then they suggest that Angel sing, but he refuses to do it at this point. And I think it's interesting that he says he doesn't tan, date, or sing in public, indicating that he does enjoy singing on his own in his private That's time. Right. <laughs> um, I wrote down that. Let's see. Oh, I had forgotten that um, that uh, Lauren reads auras. And I was very happy when I remembered that because I think it's great. We have he puts people and demons on their path. yeah. We haven't had an empath demon yet. It's more no. We've had an empath demon, but not like that one. Just like read emotions and then used it to manipulate right. people. Um, they find out. Merle points. Yeah, they find out where mm-hmm. this guy is staying. Yeah, Merle points them in the direction of the demon, and Angel finds the demon and kills it. And uh, then the like 
he's like, it's all right, he's dead. And the woman's like, what did you do? What have you done? And then starts crying over the demon. And you're like, oh, no. (laughs) (coughs) And you momentarily maybe think they're lovers. Oh, I didn't (laughs) think that. I must be speciesist, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Angel finds out that, um, that this particular demon was like him at least in this aspect, was trying to help a person and goes back and tells Cordelia and Wesley and they try to rationalize it, but, you know, they can't really. Yeah, they're like, oh, he looked really mean in the vision, this and that. Yeah. You can't just go around practicing vigilante justice. Um, and, you know, then Wesley is given the uh, embarrassing line where he's like, we're supposed to think a creature like that can just change his modus operandi overnight, you know, and then like he looks at Angel and he's like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I really like this because they were really in the groove of being the Batmans of LA, you know, just running around killing demons. Yep. And I like that it uh, derails them. It's not that straightforward doing good and uh Mm. it turns out that the locals they go back to merle right they find merle in an alley or something well first there's a scene with um gun um we bring gun back where this uh a white guy running from someone and he's like no no leave me alone take my car or whatever and then like he runs straight into a vampire because he's (laughs) obviously like racist and therefore just like terrified of black people (laughs) (laughs) and so gun saves him from the vampire and is like go home (laughs) um i was gonna say uh also like how come every time angel sees gun they say it's been a while it doesn't seem like it's been that long (laughs) Who does? There's this movie, um, the the movie adaptation of On the Road, the most recent one with Kristen Stewart and Garrett Hedlund, um, where I'm sure it feels more appropriate in the book, but like every time that the two main characters, the writer and Garrett Hedlund's character, who's like the guy who's like showing him the world sort of like every time they run into each other they're like oh it's been so long and it's like (laughs) slow motion like super fade like hug and sometimes (laughs) it's like literally two minutes since when they departed from each other like in screen time and i'm like it hasn't been long enough to have earned this super sincere moment again (laughs) like at least in this case we technically haven't seen gun for three months because you know he's They've been on hiatus, Angel. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about (laughs) that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, they get some information. Angel figures out that Merle probably pointed him in the direction of that demon intentionally to get it out of the way so that um, other demons could collect the bounty on the head and... uh, Gets more information from Merle, and then he and Gunn set out, like, through the sewers to see if they can find its hideaway, and they find a, a vent that is not uh, releasing any air, and uh, they find the demon's sort of Spartan living space hidden yeah. behind it. And it turns out he's, like, a sort of Asian-inspired Zen kind of persona. <laughs> yeah. Mild. Like a Mongolian warrior. Yeah. Mildly Asian. <laughs> Hint of Asian. 
um, and Angel finds like a little token and uh, gives it to Gunn and tells him to take it to Cordelia and Wesley to find out what it means and then he uh, finds the woman and um, you know she's obviously upset with him over what happened and he's like you know I want to do the right thing I killed him so his mission is mine now and she has to me what is maybe like the most heartbreaking line of the episode or the best line and she's like you care because she's some CR leader but she's not that to me she's just my daughter um, you know basically sort of like the point of the episode is that uh, the human relationships are sort of what make you good or not good it's not like these prophecies or like these deep you know demon things and whatnot yeah at this point did he know her daughter was the seer no i don't think so i mean i think that she is transferring because that was probably why the other yeah was i agree protecting her is because that demon was probably you know part of some religion or something or like appointed yeah yeah um yeah i you know i like firefly a lot more than you do probably considering i don't like it if you like it at all (laughs) yes you like it i i like it a ton (laughs) should i tell you one christmas two different people bought me a box set (laughs) (laughs) and they were both really right uh but i like this concern you know there's morality in society right and i feel like i feel like buffy deals a little with this you know when giles is talking about oh she's not like us you know she's a good guy or whatever you remember that scene yes uh the scene hurts my heart yeah oh yeah but i feel like angel and firefly deal a little more with that which is like you're your morality when you're not in a society when you're at, on the edges you know is a lot different mm-hmm. you're talking about the scene in season five when giles kills ben right oh yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah that i didn't write down what the joke was but this is the part when uh, i wrote down don't appreciate jokes about the demon you murdered uh, so I assume it's something Angel says. Um, and then, of course, we get another really bad joke, which basically the jokes are the reason why I don't love this episode, um, where Gun shows up at Cordelia's apartment, and he's like, hey, it's Gun." Oh, and yeah. Like, what? He has a gun? And I'm like, uh, really? Although the joke's about them being really awkward because he's black is kind of funny yes, to me. W- when they're like, hey, street slang name. And he's like, that's my name. My name is Charles Gunn. <laughs> he's like, it's <laughs> Charles Gunn the <III." laughs> third. Yeah, they're like, you have a fly street tag. <laughs> yeah. White people. Um, and then they're hiding in what will become the new office. Yeah, well, they're running away, and they climb out of the sewers, and they come out of this basement, and they come stumbles into the hotel, and it's this really, well, it's a nice moment, it's really well shot, and, like, Angel's kind of looking around, you realize that he recognizes this place. Once you've seen the next episode, and you know what's going on, like, there's a nice bit of echoing, too, because it's, like, another 
failed mission, like another thing where he wanted to help someone right. and then didn't. And it's sort of like, you know, a reminder, I guess, of why he does right. this in the middle of him doing it. And uh, I think that maybe like in the context of the next episode, knowing what happens, the next scene where um, she runs away, uh, <coughs> the woman from Angel, and uh, he goes back to the apartment to uh, talk to Cordelia and Wesley, and he says, you know, I was in the tunnel, I could see the light, and it was so bright. Um, Cordelia's like, are we talking, yeah, the tunnel, yeah, I understand. Are we talking real <laughs> tunnel or symbolic? Just give me that. And Angel's talking about the fact that, you know, when he heard the prophecy that he might become human someday, you know, that he got over eager, that he yeah, got excited, he, that he saw, like, an end to his guilt and he suffering. He thought it meant soon. That, um, yeah. That, um if it is a reward, as Wesley interpreted it, that it's not like when he became human last season, that it's the universe saying, like, you've suffered enough for your sins. Like, you get to start over now with, like, a yeah. clean slate. Um, and then they're like, we don't know what to do. We don't know where she is. We don't know what this token means that we have. Um, except for that it has something to do with some tribunal and Angel's like there's only one way and then cuts to him <laughs> seeing Mandy I love the song choice Mary, Barry and I Mano. love their faces yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh Mandy you came and you gave with a taste <laughs> and I need you today oh Mandy I think of that song for two reasons, always, uh, well, no, sorry, three, there's this, it's also in, um, <laughs> Can't Hardly Wait, he hears it on the radio, and he's like, Mandy, Amanda, that's, he's like, it's telling me that tonight's the night I should ask out Amanda, <laughs> and, and then the person he's with is like, I heard that song's about his dog. <laughs> <laughs> And then the third one, which is by far the best one, is the um, one where Hom Homer almost cheats on Marge, and he's singing the song to Marge when he meets her in the hotel, and he's like, oh, Margie, you came and you brought me a turkey, and they like, looks <laughs> at the whole turkey, and he starts eating it. It's pretty great. Good times. And then we get the first of Lauren's mini flirtations with Angel. Um, I like it because it's not in a gay panicky way. Yeah, they never really deal with Lauren's sexuality in a very explicit way, but I'm going to go with bye. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. He's an emotions um, demon. He loves who he loves. Mm -hmm. There's got to be more than just two demon genders. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Pan, pansexual, pan. probably. Pan, yeah. Uh, more accurate. <coughs> I mean, I've heard "by" used to mean more than two, but yeah, I guess as me long too. as we have the, as long as we have the term, pan, might as well use it. Um. Then we get the awesomest 
cinematography of the episode in this next scene, but kind of the lamest sequence. <laughs> yeah, I every time there's horses <laughs> in Buffy and Angel, I'm not really into it. There's one time when uh, Giles rides a horse that's kind of cool. Nice. You just like Giles. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, like, the only thing that I like about this is that um, David Briones is not using the stunt double for the horse riding. Really? Like, you get a nice, like, good medium shot of, like, David Briones huh. just riding a horse. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. I really like the visuals of the tribunal. It's very uh, Beksinski. Who's the guy that did uh, Alien? Who's the guy that did the visuals? H.R. Geiger. Geiger. It's very Geiger. It's very Beksinski. Like, tall and skinny and alien and kind of decrepit. And it makes uh, the pregnant woman look really small, which I think is a good touch. Mm. And she's like, you mm -hmm. know how you're not really good at anything? <laughs> Talking to Angel. <laughs> she's a good actress. I yeah. like her. She was on uh, Six Feet Under. And um, she was one of or her and her husband were probably my favorite part of that show. Oh, I didn't know that. Did you ever watch no. that show? No. Uh -uh. Okay. Because the, like, brothers who own the funeral home, they have, like, an assistant, um, and, uh, she was the wife of the assistant. She was okay. a nurse. Yeah, I wrote, uh, Angel actually looks really comfortable on the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, Angel sort of wins the first, like, um, Battle what is that of, called? Uh, Please? Joust? Have yeah. Joust, yeah. He like he wins the first joust and then loses the second one and then they go to sword fighting and uh, apparently this demon doesn't know that Angel is a vampire and makes the mistake of just stabbing right. him right. with a sword and assumes hey. that he's one and uh, as the pregnant woman is about to be killed, Angel, you know, just walks up behind and cuts So not all off. demons can tell that he's a vampire <laughs> right away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh or maybe this is a demon that's never even heard of vampires, because it does seem like they're kind of like from a It does. I like that they get into that more as the shows go on. Mm. Um, that reminds me of a joke from the end of the season where they go to Pylea, and they're, they're, um, some of the demons on Pylea know what Angel is and some don't, and so it's explaining to like a warrior demon how to kill him, and it's like, you can't, it's like, you just can't stab him, it's like, you have to use a wooden spear through the heart, and he's like, I will plant a wooden spear directly into his rump, and it's like, you know, <laughs> his, his heart is in his chest like a human, and he's like, disgusting. <laughs> <coughs> I'm dying, I'm dying over here. Yes, I like... You know, I hate reading urban fantasy. I hate it. Mm -hmm. But I love seeing it. So I was very happy with the horses and the knights. Um, Saved by his ability to take a beating. Instead of his ability to fight or be good at anything. Mm -hmm. So uh, she is protected. Or at least the child comes under the protection of the tribunal until her 18th birthday. And since the show did not last for 18 seasons, <laughs> we never get to find out what happened to her. Yeah. I'm sure she um, can help herself by then. Uh, and then Angel goes back to the uh, Cordelia's apartment and takes the board off the, you know, it's like rolly thing or whatever. And yes. puts it down. And uh, 
Wesley's like starting off with a clean slate, um, good idea, and and just like starting off with no slate, and Wesley's like, right, we shouldn't be keeping score. We're not running a race. We're doing a job. Yep, I like it. Summing up the episode in a nice way. I hope that everyone watching the show understands what happened. You know, I feel like that's a subtle point. Uh, then he um, goes to visit Faith. And Faith looks extremely Rachel Bilson in this episode. Very like dewy yeah, and ringlets. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing you can know you can suspend your disbelief for, but Faith is extremely pretty for someone who's in prison. Yep. <laughs> like the fanciest makeup, like her hair done oh, up, yeah. all amazing. She's got like <laughs> And she's just got she she's just gotten beat up by the guard that day and she still just looks like, you know, and uh they talk like they're al-anon buds it's like evil anon they're trying hard not to you know kill people (laughs) yeah faith tells a story about how some person wanted to you know uh gain a rep in prison by attacking her you know since obviously it probably became clear pretty quickly how dangerous and powerful she was as soon as she got there um and you know she takes that person out and angel like somewhat cautiously asks like is she still alive (laughs) (laughs) and faith is like she lives to tell the tale um and then you know the guards as they often do didn't see what happened or what was going on so they beat crap out of faith anyway and then faith i mean and then angel trying to put things in perspective for faith tells her that he had to sing mandy in front of people (laughs) and she's like oh my god or actually says i have to sing barry mantle in front of a whole crowd of people and she goes copacabanda and he goes no mandy she's like here i am complaining about my petty little problems she says i've earned worse guys like us kind of got it coming I like that this. Yeah, Maybe I like that not. this is where it moves away from the one-shot demons. Yep, we're gonna have longer storylines now. Yay! And sometimes Angel's gonna be dedicated to people whose souls maybe can't really be saved. Yay! <laughs> and we're gonna be really <laughs> sad about a lot of things. Love to be sad. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you are enjoying the show. Oh, let me pull up our old facts and figures. Mm -hmm. Uh, This episode's called Judgment, by the way. I don't think I ever mentioned that. It's one of the first episodes of Angel in which demons are shown of being capable of doing good. Angel experiences guilt after killing Joe's demon protector because he killed an innocent being and a soldier like himself, and because it never occurred to him before that a demon could be either of those things. 
widescreen DVD release of this episode created a couple of visual goose that had not previously been apparent on the standard format TV broadcast and also on the VHS release. Oh no! In the sequence in the gym and the episode's teaser, Angel is clearly visible in the gym's mirrors in a couple of instances, <laughs> both times appearing in the extreme right of the frame that would not be apparent on the original broadcast. Isn't uh, Darla... What's her, the actress's name that plays Darla? Julie, Julie Benz. Benz. Right. One of the demons seen in Caritas belongs to a mouthless telepathic demon species previously seen in Earshot. Another one sitting alongside Mordor the Bentback looks quite like the reptile-headed demon trapped in the initiative in New Moon Rising. Oh. Starting with this episode, Angel appears in widescreen on the DVDs in the United States. The second season is still designed for standard definition televisions, and some syndicated airings show the 4x3 version. That's funny, because the second episode, I thought for sure, was like intended to be seen widescreen, because it's so cinematic. Les Dushku is credited in the closing credits instead of the opening ones, although closing credits cast listings are usually reserved for only for background characters with unimportant parts or those with minimal or no speaking role. Dushku was placed here to keep Angel's visit to prison a surprise for the viewers. Gunn joins the regular cast in this build in the opening credits of the episode. Woo! E.J. Gage, who plays Mordor the Bentback, also played one of the movers in Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode Buffy vs. Dracula, which aired immediately before this one. That episode was terrible. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Basil and I did not like it. It's because it's terrible and you guys have good taste. <laughs> I used to really like it, but now it... It's, it's out of place. Like, it feels like a season two Buffy episode, but it's season five. I'm like, things are too serious now for, to still be doing this. Yeah. In Caritas, when Wesley and Cordelia are discussing the host, the scene is actually flipped. This is made obvious by the fact that Charisma Carpenter's mole is on the wrong side of her face. What? <laughs> International titles. In German, this was called Das Tribunal. The Tribunal? This has a lot of music credits, obviously. <laughs> uh, Achy Breaky Heart by Billy Ray Silas. Friends in Little Places by Garth Brooks. I will survive by Gloria Gaynor. I'm so excited by the Pointer Sisters. Mandy by Barry Manilow. Prelude in C minor by Chopin. Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye. And then, of course, some score. (laughs) 
in credits feature outtakes from Angel's performance of Mandy, and at the very end, after Gerarg features a voiceover from David Boyana saying, thank you very much while impersonating Elvis. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yep, I enjoyed that too. Speaking of enjoying things, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe using your podcast listening application, and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. We do appreciate it. But for now, this podcast is the one good thing we ever did together, Marcia. The only good thing. You make sure to tell the world that. No! (laughs) As you hold the podcast in your arms, after I stake myself. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye.